if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is, and hour number two is now underway. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the 12th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Again, thanks to Jack Windsor. Did an outstanding job with me, as he does each and every day with the governor and her assistant, Mike DeWine. Since it's Tuesday, you know what this means, right? It is Kersenau time right here on AM 1420. The answer, Peter Kersenau is a a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is a Cleveland attorney. He is a best-selling author. He is a columnist for National Review, and he is a regular guest on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Pete. Bob, 124 more days until the Browns open up against the Ravens. If I'm not mistaken, when I looked at the schedule, it appears as if they've pushed it back a week. Uh, originally, it was a week earlier than right now. The opening is, I think, on the 13th or the 14th. So I don't know if that's an adjustment they made, uh, hoping that the season will run its full course. I know that Major League Baseball is considering opening up in July. I sure right. hope so, because it's really a problem. Just, uh, you know, there's no real entertainment uh, unless you want to watch the White House press corps go berserk. <laughs> well, it might be entertaining in the Senate today, at least uh, by a remote uh, testimony that is being given by Dr. Anthony Fauci. He is one of several members of the Coronavirus Task Force that is going to be uh, testifying before the Senate. So I know I want to talk about Michael Flynn, Bill Barr, and everything else that's going on with the uh, uh, the coup against the president. But your thoughts on Fauci testifying today and the advance notice of his testimony has been uh, has been released in which he essentially is going to say that if we open the country up too soon and ohio starts today with um some shopping malls and salons and other things like that being able to be opened under certain restrictions but he said if we open too soon he said there will be needless suffering and death and will set us back on our quest to return to normal the fear-mongering never stops pete yeah, I, you know, I think we've discussed this. Uh, look, I give Fauci his due. He's, uh, you know, he's been doing this stuff for a long time. But, uh, and I hate to say this, I've never uh, trusted his judgment. Um, you know, and I'm not one to talk about these things because he's got a much deeper reservoir of knowledge about this. But my instincts tell me that, 
He's a blowhard. I hate to say that, uh, but that's my instincts, okay? Everyone can disagree with that, but um, I don't know, when you look at his record thus far, he is not necessarily the most precise and accurate person around. And on top of that, uh, with all due respect to him, I think, and the respect is, is justified, he only looks at it, and this is the way he should be looking at it, from the standpoint of an epidemiologist or a medical professional bureaucrat. Uh, there are a number of other factors that go into that. And sure, it is possible that if we open up, I don't know what too soon means, but if we open up, that there is going to be a spike. But does that mean, is the corollary to that, that we remain shut indefinitely? This, this has gotten to be, Bob, you and I discussed this last week. I believe that the evidence began accumulating almost a month and a half ago early part of March, that these shutdowns or these intended shutdowns were going to be the greatest public policy blunder, peacetime public policy blunder in history. Mm -hmm. And I've seen nothing to dissuade me from that point of view. And I think Fauci has been front and center in perpetuating that blunder. So, I mean, do I think that shutdowns were necessary? Perhaps, yeah, I won't dispute that. Do I think that they have to go on indefinitely? I think that's the dumbest thing in the world. And no one can ever give you a time frame. We know one thing. We know that there probably won't be a vaccine in the foreseeable future. Maybe not until the beginning of next year. We hope it's, it's sooner than that. We have some treatments, but we don't have any magic bullets. So what are we supposed to do? Shut down completely? Because I mean, we're not trying to be callous. That's the thing. I mean, a lot of these folks who uh, attack people who want to open up say that we're somehow callous. We're you know we don't care about people dying. That's not the case. Because on the other side of the equation, there's a lot of carnage and damage being done as a result of these shutdowns. We're saying from the standpoint of just common sense. You can't, meaning the Fauci's of the world, can't give us an endpoint. They cannot give us a definitive measurement or time frame by which we can open. What is the trigger point? Is it 1,000 deaths a week? Is it 500 deaths a week? Is it 10,000? And at what point do we say enough is enough? We have to open up and take the risks. And I'm in the latter camp. I think we have to take the risks. We take risks every single day. Absolutely. And for... For those of us who believe that, I, I will defend us against any charges of being callous. In fact, I think it's just the opposite. I see these folks who are saying we must remain shut down as being extraordinarily callous. We've got a minimum 35 million people unemployed. That doesn't include the gig economy. It doesn't include independent contractors. That's an extraordinary number, and we've talked about the ramifications of that from a health perspective. We've had hospitals that are nearly empty. We've got emergency wards that are, are, are empty. A lot of people are deferring regular checkups or necessary testing to be done. And, you know, there have been projections that are extraordinary as to the number of cancer cases that are going to be missed. The people who are going to suffer as a result of not taking the uh, ordinary and customary medical procedures in a timely fashion. But those and people don't count. According to the ones who call us callous, Pete, they don't count. The only thing that counts is, are you going to make somebody else get the coronavirus? If you open things up, is somebody else going to get the coronavirus and then have probably very mild symptoms, according to the statistics, very, very teeny percent of them might need a hospital visit, and a way, way, way tinier uh, number of them uh, are going to actually you know, uh, suffer a, a fatality. Uh, but those are the only ones that matter. People who get cancer because right. they didn't get their mammograms, because they couldn't get their colonoscopies, because they couldn't get their... 
uh, their um, a skin lesion or, or moles checked, uh, all of these different things that are going to lead over the course of the next few months and years to, like you say, cancer diagnoses that could have been noticed, noted, uh, 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 diagnosed earlier and treated and perhaps stopped. They're going to be deaths, and none of those will be counted as an impact of the coronavirus. I, I agree with that. And, you know, the the thing that's amazing to me, it's not amazing. I see what's happening with the media doing this and everything. But um, as I said, Fauci is just one voice in one area of the debate regarding coronavirus and the economy and all the other ancillary effects from coronavirus. We take him seriously, listen to what he has to say, but the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, has, have designated him as the ultimate authority as to what we're supposed to do. This is a multi-complex public policy issue, and an important part of it is the medical part of it, but it's not the only part. So we don't defer judgment with respect to public policy issues of this magnitude to one guy who's frankly i'm not impressed with his track record i am not at all impressed with his track record and to vote all of our um uh, allegiance to this guy i think is a profound error so yeah i I know that uh you know the democrats are probably and the media but i repeat myself are going to make a lot of hay of whatever fauci says even if fauci doesn't say anything really controversial they are going to cherry pick we've seen this this movie before. So uh, to a large extent, I think it's going to be almost useless to listen to Fauci because the media is going to play it however they wish to play it in a way to harm the president. Pete, you're 100% right. And I want to move on to Flynn and Obama and Barr and the entirety of that story. But just last thing, and let's stay, let's let's limit this one to 60 seconds if you can. You sent me an, uh, an article from uh, National Review with some positive news that we don't get very often about the virus and about the spread of the virus. Actually, I thought it was your uh, column. It wasn't your article. It was Jim Garrity who wrote this one that you shared with me. Can you share with our audience in a th- summary form? Well, there, there, it's just one part of it. I think there's a lot about the coronavirus that has been misreported and has caused extraordinary fear in the country. Uh, you and I, Bob, have talked about the fact that when we do mass testing, it's revealed that the coronavirus is far less lethal than originally believed. Right. And so what we have here is a very narrow cohort of individuals who are actually vulnerable. It truly is the elderly and those in nursing homes with underlying conditions. If you are under the age of 50, again, I'm not making any promises here, but the sure. stats show if you're under the age of 50, you're not, you shouldn't be very concerned about this stuff. Yeah, you take the ordinary precautions, but this is really a virus that afflicts those. Look, in, in Minnesota is a very good example. Minnesota, the average age is 83 of decedents. That's when you're beyond the average life expectancy, regardless of whether or not you have an affliction. Also, the majority are in nursing homes, and they have a significant underlying condition such as diabetes, heart disease, etc. With respect to those who are children, there are some children who get uh, the coronavirus, but it is infinitesimally small, the number of children who get it. And among young adults in the working age population, very few people. And on top of that, despite the fact that the media seem to be trying to make us extraordinarily depressed regarding the, any prospects of medic- any medical treatment, we do have some treatments that show some promise. Are they silver bullets? No, they're not. But they do provide some treatment. Uh, I, I think, again, uh, there's a lot of positive news out there, but it can't get past the media filter, which has a 
apparently this objective of making everything appear to be apocalyptic in the era of Trump. Very well said, Peter Kersenow. We're going to use this as our break point so that we can uh, pivot to uh, Bill Barr, uh, a whole bunch of uh, former DOJ officials and others who are reacting to his decision to uh, drop all charges against General Flynn after the obvious setup by the FBI. Obama is involved in this and more. I want to get your analysis of that when we continue. Peter Kersenow, right back with us on AM 1420. Ten twenty-two. Now we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Our guest is Peter Kersenow, a Cleveland attorney, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. All right, Pete. There's uh, so much ground to cover on the attempted coup uh, against the President of the United States that started literally before he took office, and of course continued through the duration of the Mueller investigation, and in some to some extent continues now. Uh, part of that coup was an attempt to take down his incoming national security advisor, which was successful, General Michael Flynn. And uh, after three years of hell for that man and his family, the truth is now coming out about what the FBI did to entrap him, to set him up in a perjury trap, to threaten his son in order to get him to admit to lying about something and plead guilty that he didn't actually do. Uh, so Bill Barr, just to kind of cut to the chase here, Bill Barr has reviewed it all and uh, has dropped all charges against Michael Flynn. That has prompted this. Um, nearly 2,000 former DOJ officials who served under both Republican and Democratic administrations condemned uh, Attorney General William Barr and have requested, if not demanded, his resignation for dropping those charges. Pete, you're a lawyer, and you are a, a uh, political historian. Uh, this, to me, seems under, unprecedented. What can you say about it? Well, um, I hardly ever disagree with you, Bob, but I uh, think it's not unprecedented. The same group of characters have signed petitions um, in the past related to the uh, Trump administration. And it's not surprising. It really shows the depth and breadth of the swamp. There are so many people in government, in federal government, who are best appellation would be the swamp creatures, but they could be Democrat and Republican. You have a lot of Republicans who are not even never Trumpers, but a certain establishment Republicans who want to be thought of uh, very well by, um, you know, those folks who really call the shots in Washington. That is the deep state. And and I, I don't mean to use deep state in kind of colloquial fashion. I mean, there are permanent bureaucrats within Washington who've been ensconced there for a long time. They know, you know, uh, where all the proverbial bodies are buried. Uh, they know how to run the system. And a lot of Republicans, establishment-type Republicans, people who work within administrations or within the Beltway, uh, want to curry their favor or be thought of as one of the smart folk like them. So you're going to get some of those who are signed a petition like this. You're going to see the ordinary Democrats sign a petition like this, having worked in Washington. This is not at all a surprise. I'm, I'm just surprised that's limited to 2,000. And as I said before, um, I haven't looked through the entire list of the individuals who signed it, but I would, get, I would wager that the vast majority of them were the same folks who signed a previous similar petition related to 
uh, the Department of Justice and Bill Barr. So this is what what I would look at this as, Bob, is along with Obama breaking his silence finally last week on this as an indication of how frightened and how serious these individuals take the latest developments in the Mueller and Russiagate probes, there is a reckoning that is imminent. We are going to have more revelations. The revelations thus far have established unequivocally that this is a giant hoax that has been orchestrated from the very top. You and I, Bob, have talked for a long time about you can't take down a president when it's only a few folks at the FBI who've decided to undertake that. That has to come from the very top. No one would dare do what we have found out that was done in the 2016 election unless the president of the United States had blessed it. There are a lot of people... Let me jump in there, Pete. Let me jump in. Is that why you think that Obama has suddenly become very vocal? That's exactly uh, right. And has done interviews uh, essentially condemning in the same way that this letter does, Bill Barr, and saying he is concerned that the rule of law is being uh, diminished in the the DOJ. That's exactly right. That's why you've seen Obama finally surface, because he understands the threat to himself, his reputation, and all of his minions. This is a serious deal. I think Durham is a serious person. I think Barr is a serious person. I have no doubt, based on what we've seen thus far, that a lot of folks are in grave jeopardy. Who they are, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I mean, but the ones, if if I were they, here are the folks um, who I think should lawyer up. James Comey, James Brennan, James, uh, or John Brennan, James Clapper, mm-hmm. possibly Susan Rice, Sally Yates. Struck, of course, Page, McCabe, all those folks are already lawyered up. But there are a number of people who should lawyer up. But here's the guy who needs to lawyer up the most, Barack Obama. Now, I'll say this. I would be stunned if any charges were brought against Barack Obama for a host of reasons. But that's not to say that he doesn't have legal jeopardy. The most important jeopardy to Obama, and the reason why I think he has surfaced, is to his legacy to his reputation the media have formed a phalanx around him because he is their messiah they have protected him throughout we are talking about somebody who is one of the most mediocre presidents in history and unequivocally the most corrupt president in history but if you read or listen to major media he was an extraordinarily accomplished president who was just perfect in every regard comported himself with dignity and class and all the things that that scandal Trump free does not do. 8 years right. scandal free scandal free well, we know there are scandals around every corner as I used to say in the past, you know, the, the old saw about if a tree falls in the forest but nobody's there to hear it, doesn't make it sound well. If a scandal occurs but the media doesn't report about it, it's still a scandal. It definitely is a scandal, and Obama was knee-deep in all of them. Speak about being knee-deep, he's at least chest-deep in this scandal. He orchestrated it. The new revelation show from the January 5 meeting, it is clear. He was providing direction to those two individuals who are going to stay over into the Trump administration to continue to sabotage the Trump administration. We saw something that was extraordinary here, and it's there in plain sight. Can we connect all the dots right now? Maybe not. I have a suspicion Barr has already done so. Whether or not he can prove it in court or not is is another matter. But we are not in a court of law right now. It's a court of public opinion, and I refuse to 
act ignorantly, as if I don't see with my own eyes and with my own experience what transpired. And I think all of your listening audience knows the same thing. We all suspected from the very beginning, because of the magnitude of this, that only one individual could authorize this. No, even a FBI director would not, under any circumstances, risk undertaking an effort like this unless it had been approved from the guy at the very top. You don't take out a president or, or, I'm sorry, a presidential campaign or an incoming president without the approval of the guy at the very top. And now right. all the pieces are starting to fall into place to show that that's precisely what happened. The greatest Pete, political scandal in American history. Pete, I'm going to throw a few devil's advocacy questions at you after the bottom of the hour news here. Uh, Peter Kirsten, I've got one more segment with us. But the left would take a lot of what Pete is saying right now and say, cast it all aside. He pleaded guilty. Michael Flynn pleaded guilty. That means he, or pled guilty, if you will, that means he, uh, no, ma no matter what they tried to do to him, he actually is responsible for his own current plight. If he was innocent, he should have said so. That's what they're saying, and Pete, I'll let you respond to that on the flip side on AM 1420 The Ten thirty-five. We roll onward. One more segment with the brilliant Peter Kersenow, Cleveland attorney and member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Pete, before we get into the um, uh, the uh, devil's advocacy questions, I wanted to ask you. I do need to get your thoughts on this, as it pertains. You know, it's not an. It's as if it's not enough that there are so many bad actors who were left in D.C., who were left in the DOJ when President Trump took over. Who, uh, those in the FBI who uh, followed Barack Obama's marching orders uh, throughout this entire thing. As if that's not bad enough, we also have to deal, or the president also has to deal, with the dis dishonest press. And I want to get your reaction to this. Uh, you brought up Bill Barr. Peggy Noonan, I want you to listen to this Bill Barr answer to a question about what will history say about this. Wait till you hear this answer. Take a listen. When history looks back on this decision... How do you think it will be written? Well, history is written by the winner, so it largely depends on, on <laughs> uh, who's writing the history. I was struck, Peggy, by the cynicism of the answer. It's a correct answer, but he's the attorney general. He didn't make the case that he was upholding the rule of law. He was almost admitting that, yeah, this is a... This is a political job. He did not make the case, Peter Kersenow, that he had, uh, that his ruling was upholding the rule of law, or his decision was upholding the rule of law, except for the fact that this was the actual answer. When history looks back on this decision, how do you think it will be written? Well, history is written by the winner, so it largely depends on, on <laughs> uh, who's writing the history. But I think a fair history would say it was a, it was a good decision because it it upheld the rule of law, it helped it it upheld the standards of the Department of Justice, and it undid what was an injustice. Peter Kirsten, I'll go. Uh, Chuck Todd is a corrupt partisan who should have been fired a long time ago, uh, not just because of that. This is not a surprise, and this is not a one-off. We've seen this with him and others in the past. They doctor the news. They don't present or report the news. They choose what they're going to report, what they're, what they're not going to report. And if something is negative for them, 
Very often, if they don't report it, they will simply distort it, such as Chuck Todd did here. I blame not just Chuck Todd, but everybody at NBC News for tolerating this travesty, because he was not alone. There had to be editors, there had to be um, all kinds of other folks in the production department who went along with with this complete fraud. It's an indictment of NBC News, but not a surprise. This is consistent with what the media has been doing for a long, long time, going about 30 years, but we're at an acute stage now. It, it seems to be accumulating more and more because of Trump hatred. Uh, you know, we saw them do just the opposite with Obama, where they didn't report anything that was negative, or they spun it in a way that made it seem positive. Again, as we discussed before, the allegation that he had a scandal-free administration is laughable. But we're going to see, this is just the tip of the iceberg, Bob, as I said in my NRO post yesterday, my National Review post yesterday, what we're going to see is a tsunami of this kind of conduct from the media. They were complicit for three years in something that most adults could see with their eyes was a complete and utter fraud, the so-called Russia collusion uh, hoax. And every time we got more evidence, it became even more plain that this was a manufactured hoax. But they ran with it. And then when Mueller came out and said, no, there, there, they continued to run with it. So they have got an institutional interest now. They actually have, uh, from the standpoint of their own careers, an imperative to continue to perpetuate the hoax or ignore uh, all of the accumulated evidence that Obama was at the center of this, that this was a hoax perpetrated by upper levels of the Obama administration, because they were reporting it for three years. They got two Pulitzers for reporting stuff that was completely false. So I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to spin and lie and distort and maybe get even another Pulitzer because of it. Because Pulitzer, clearly, they just give Pulitzers to people who agree with their positions, such as the most recent one with the 1619 Project. Mm -hmm. So this is not a surprise. Chuck Todd is not alone. Uh, You saw probably yesterday where that uh, idiot reporter, and that's the only way I can put it, doesn't even understand how bad she looks when she thinks she gets uh, Trump with a gotcha question. And we have a pervading sickness in this country when everything is about race. We have, not for your listeners who don't know this, and I don't know if you've discussed it at all, Bob. But yeah, we did it for a segment. Okay, uh, the, the Wei Ji or whatever her name is. I don't know what her name yeah, is. Yeah, she's an Asian American. I don't know what. I don't know yeah. her name, yeah. Right. But everything is about them, about the reporters, and everything is about race. That was the most absurd thing imaginable. Again, if we had a responsible uh, corporate management in place at CBS, they would fire her for that for a host of reasons. Number one is it was a dumb question. Number two is the manner in which she comported herself. I mean, can you ever imagine somebody after they give the warm tongue bath, of course, to Obama posing anything even remotely challenging to him? Here, they argue, they challenge the president, and that's not, that's not bad, but they do so on the most ridiculous terms and with predicates, like with Chuck Todd, that are completely false. And when Trump responds very appropriately, hey, look, um, why don't you ask China that question, because it was a really dumb question to begin with. Why don't you yeah. ask China that question? She says, words to the effect, why are you asking me that question? Well, idiot, it's because you ask the question, or why are you saying that to me? She said, well, it's because you asked the question. Trump should have said that, frankly. I hardly ever second guess what he has to say. But he should have said, look, you asked the question, who else am I going to address it to? And China is the font of all this. 
Uh, I'm sorry for getting upset about this, but it's a, we're no. at a point now, Bob, where we cannot tolerate this anymore. We have seen an attempt to completely upend the Constitution. We saw the peaceful transition of power in this country, one of the hallmarks of our democracy, something that distinguished us over a long period of time from most other countries in the world, being compromised by the most corrupt president in history, who's being lionized by a corrupt press as being saintly. No, you're you're 100 percent right, and you don't have to apologize at all. I'm glad you're upset because uh, you know you're channeling a lot of what our listeners feel, a lot of what constituents all over this country feel uh, about this. So I'm glad to hear you say that. Let me go back to though, um, specific to the Flynn thing. First of all, your your column on Obama and protecting Obama, spot on, great analysis of that. But let's go back to specifically on Flynn. Over and over and over again on CNN and on MSNBC and certainly online, everybody is saying he pled guilty. That simple. Flynn pled guilty if he was innocent. He shouldn't have uh, fallen for the trap, if you will. He shouldn't have done anything of the sort. He should have fought it every step of the way. He pled guilty, so any attempt now to sanitize him and to exonerate him um, is is just disingenuous. And, and this is, again, their wording of violating the rule of law because he pled guilty. As an attorney, Pete, how do you respond to them? Uh hard to respond as an attorney because I should be responding in a temperate and cold fashion. It's very difficult to do so because of the duplicity of that argument. The failure to acknowledge that Obama did far worse many times. When Obama says that this is going to impact the rule of law, this is an individual who's perverted and distorted the rule of law more times than I can count. Again, the proverbial, does a tree fall in the forest and nobody there to hear it? Simply because it hasn't been reported didn't mean it happened over and over and over. Obama himself pardoned somebody who pled guilty, a general who had pled guilty. He did the same thing. Not only that, pardoned terrorists. This, this FALN terrorists. This is extraordinary stuff that we have here, the double standard. But among other things, let's look at Flynn specifically. It's not unusual when someone is facing complete bankruptcy, the fact that maybe some members of his family are going to be prosecuted. He's under enormous pressure for him to say, no mas. I've had to sell my home. I've incurred $5 million in legal fees. My son may be put in jail if you guys persist with this. And, frankly, I'm, I don't want to cast aspersions on his legal team, but he got another set of lawyers who apparently are doing a bang-up job. Um, and it's not uncommon for somebody like that. Not, I won't say uncommon, but it is understandable, and it's, it's, it's not rare for somebody to plead guilty. And now that we, sh- we know that there was absolutely no evidence that he engaged in any wrongdoing, but aside from that, all kinds of evidence that his, the people who were prosecuting him were the ones who were engaged in wrongdoing. They were setting him up. The justice to be served is to allow him to withdraw the guilty plea. I'm hopeful that Judge Emmett Sullivan will do so. Uh, generally speaking, when DOJ withdraws any charges, that is done without any kind of controversy. But we are in a supercharged political environment. That should be an expectation, of, right? Exactly right. Be- because exactly because right. if the judge if the judge didn't want to accept it, 
I don't understand how there could be anything going forward. If there is no prosecutor, then how can the judge even have a case to be tried? Uh, you know, because if the prosecutors, which is the DOJ, says we're not prosecuting any longer, how can the judge say, yes, you are, you must prosecute? Uh, I don't understand. It should just be an automatic, right? Yeah, but because he had pled, though, uh, so there doesn't need to be a prosecution on that particular issue. But nonetheless, justice will be served if... You know, Michael Flynn goes off into the sunset, the hero that he is, three-star general who served as a nation and alerted the country to the numerous dangerous fallacies that the Obama administration had perpetuated during his tenure, such as Al-Qaeda is on the run, that ISIS is a JV team, that China is not a threat. All of those things were challenged by Flynn, who had a clear-eyed view of the challenges to America, the threats to America, and talked about them plainly. Obama didn't like that because he ran and, frankly, subsisted during his presidency on this myth that there's no terrorism out there. He's vanquished all the threats to America. America doesn't need... He hadn't done anything about these things. And in fact, it enhanced the probability that we would be subject to terroristic threats. He did nothing about ISIS. He drew an imaginary red line, which pretty much invited Russia back into the Middle East after 40 years of absence. What Obama did, again, simply because it hasn't been reported, doesn't mean it didn't happen. Obama compromised the security of this nation in ways that were almost unimaginable uh, just eight years before that. He lied about it. The press covered for him. Flynn blows the whistle on it internally. He doesn't blow the whistle, but simply says, look, this is not true, takes a contrary uh, position so he can protect American interests, and as a result, he is cashiered. And not only that, cashiered, Obama clearly has some vendetta against Flynn, because as we know, as Trump has said, he was only advised by Obama to watch out for two things, okay? And one of them, in addition to North Korea, which made sense, was Michael Flynn, a patriot. Watch out for the patriot. That should tell you something about the mindset of the Obama White House, that they were afraid of a patriot. And now they want him to be punished, despite the fact that he was set up. Pete, last thing. Um, what if General Flynn doesn't ride off into the sunset? Um, what I mean by that is, if and when he is cleared officially by the judge and everything is dropped and the guilty plea is withdrawn, um, President Trump has indicated a willingness to bring him back into the administration. Some have suggested the ultimate irony would be to <laughs> to really stick it to the FBI that uh, that tried to stick it to him illegally and put him in charge, um, uh, you know, and get rid of Christopher Ray. And I think that might be a little bit too far, but still, you know, the guy needs a job. The guy lost everything. He lost his house trying to pay the legal fees to deal with this setup that the FBI perpetrated against him. So he needs a job do you think uh he should go back and work for the administration if the offer comes uh, i think he's a valuable person based on what i just said that he was the only person apparently within obama i won't say the only the only one we're aware of within the obama administration i'm sure there were others who were had a clear-eyed view of the threats posed to america i'm not sure if he's capable of being fbi director i don't think that's in his wheelhouse but something in clearly in security and national security is something for which i think he is well suited and may be very helpful now he's been out of the game for a while but i'm sure that you know he could get up to speed pretty quickly bottom line here is conservatives are held to a different standard if this had been a liberal all he has to do is write a book and he's going to get a multi-million dollar deal to pay for all the things that he has suffered over the last several years and also he's going to be you know welcomed onto every tv show in the world 
conservatives don't get that kind of thing. They don't get these nice little secure, these sinecures in universities and massive book deals and movie deals and all that kind of thing. That doesn't happen because the left runs all of those things. But to answer your question, he seems to me to be a talented, intelligent, knowledgeable person. So we can always use people like that in government. I completely agree, Peter Kersenow. That's why we have you on, because you agree with me 99.9% of the time. <laughs> but you say it better than I can, which is why I love having you here. Peter, no, seriously, great job as always. Uh, continued uh, success. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bob. Peter Kersenow joining us, 1050. Uh, final break uh, coming up here. Final time out. Then we'll come back in and get a couple more phone calls before the top of the hour. And we hand it over to Mike Gallagher on AM 1420, The Answer. Final segment is upon us. It is 1054. Thanks again to Peter Kersenow. Thanks again to Jack Windsor, who joined us in the first hour. If you missed uh, either one of those interviews, you can uh, catch them on our webpage, which is whkradio.com, whkradio.com. Check that out and uh, make sure you tune in. Jack Windsor does a great job of really getting to the heart of what's going on in Columbus with uh, Governor Acton and uh, her assistant, Mike DeWine. Uh, so you're going to want to and follow him, like I said earlier, too. Get on Facebook, and uh, there's actually a Jack Windsor fan club that you can actually subscribe to, and it's uh, uh, it's really good stuff because there's a lot of people encouraging and appreciate who appreciate uh, the uh, questions that he is asking at those, at those daily press briefings. Let's go to the phones. Um, we'll get a few more calls in here before the top of the hour. Jim in Cleveland wants to talk about General Flynn. Hi, Jim. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, General Flynn. Yes. Uh, excellent interview with uh, Peter Kirstenhaus, by the way. Thank you. Flynn, uh, Obama, you know, stated, and this is a quote, the fact that there was no precedent that anybody could find, his words, for someone who has been charged with perjury just getting off scot-free. On January 17, 2017, one of Obama's favorite military advisors, General James Cartwright, was also charged and convicted of lying to the FBI about media leaks of classified information. And again, on January 17, three days before he had to give up the presidency, Obama issued a full pardon to his favorite general. I, I just, uh, hearing and reading these kinds of things on and on and on about, well, out of respect, I'll, I'll keep my conversation. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're right to bring limited. this up. You're right to bring this up, uh, but but how dare you is what they would say. How dare you bring up facts uh, that counter their narrative? You're a hundred percent correct. This is this kind of mirrors the story, except for the fact that Cartwright, to my understanding, when he pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI, actually did and actually was not in the middle of a perjury trap to take down an incoming president. That's what happened right. to Flynn. So, in other words, Flynn's Flynn's situation was far more egregious than Cartwright's uh, was, and yet, as you pointed out, Barack Obama pardoned Cartwright after he was convicted of lying to the FBI. It wasn't like they dropped the case against him. It wasn't like new information came to light. He just pardoned him uh, as a favor, and uh, like you said, he's and he's making claims about nobody getting off scot-free. It's uh, Frustrating it's news to me, and uh, 50% of the population won't see it. <laughs> 75% right. of the population won't see it. 
Well, you're right. So, that is true, too, because you think the New York Times is carrying it. They're not going to put that oh, story God, out there. No. You know, Washington Post ain't going to do it. They're not going to put it on Meet the Press while Chuck Dodd, Todd tells lies about Bill Barr and, my, and General Flynn and so on. Uh, no, you're right. Uh, you know, these kinds of things never make it to, the, like I said, the narrative. They never, they never become part of the merit- narrative of the mainstream media. It's only for people yes, like you to hunt it down. Deep. And I, like I don't me usually and, have the time to call, but I thank you for picking up my call and let no, me I'm glad you made a little it. bit. I'm glad you made okay. it. I saw the story, too, and I didn't bring it up, so I'm glad you did. Thank you, Jim. God bless. Let me move to uh, TJNX in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ. You know, uh, hi, Bob. You know, uh, Peter was right. You know, these uh, melon heads on the left, they don't care about coronal victims. They don't care about people losing their job. They Not have one agenda. And if they did care about, you know, human uh, uh, death and stuff, they wouldn't so gleefully be murdering so many babies every year. All they care about is stopping Trump and stopping you and me. And I'm going to tell you, they think they got a lot on their side with academia, Hollywood, the mainstream media, the music industry. But I'll tell you what, Bob, we got somebody a lot bigger on our side, and I believe this. We got God on our side. And I guarantee you, God don't like communists. And I'll leave you with that. TJ, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. That's a pretty blunt statement, and I agree. I think God just doesn't like evil, and when evil perpetrates itself uh, on uh, upon innocent people, yeah, I would think that God does tend to frown on, frown on that. I've often said something similar to that. So not always on the radio, sometimes just privately. But you know, I just want to say to the you know to the Strucks and the Comies and the others and the people who have done these things, I just want to say you realize you can't win, right? Evil doesn't win. Good always triumphs. You're evil. You're bad actors. And what you are doing, it just cannot win. It just doesn't work that way. And time will tell how long that, you know, how long it takes to prove that. But, but I kind of feel the same way. It's all the time we've got. Mike Gallagher's next. Have a great day.